Hey, welcome to the Creative Career Starter Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Chris Lyons. In this podcast, we will have conversations with young creative professionals about the steps that they took to go from design school grad to successful employee at a creative firm. The goal is to energize and inform your job search with their tips and stories, maybe help you get your first creative job. So stick around. Let's get at it. In this podcast, we will be talking with Sarah Jane Cassell. Sarah graduated with a degree in graphic design in May of 2015 and began her career working at ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut in November of 2015. Hi, Sarah. Hi. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining the Creative Career Starter Podcast. You have such a wealth of experience already for someone so recently out of school. Talk a little bit about where you are right now. Let's hear about your current job. So I work for Optic Sky Productions uh, here in Rochester, New York. And mainly what we do is video production, commercial production, film production, that kind of stuff. Um, but I am one of the motion graphic uh, artists, and we work on some animation, taking illustrator files and making them animations for some education videos that... You know, so it's a little easier to understand. The other side of the company does video production and uh, different kinds of commercials. And is it a fun job? Do you enjoy it? Yes, I do. It's I'm over the moon here. There's so much I can. I've been learning how to do. I've been wearing a lot of different hats, which has been really fun. Um, so it's different every day. And uh, you are a graphic design major, and look what I you're am. doing now. How did you gain these skills? Well. You know, I just kind of decided that I wanted to do different things, and it all kind of started when I was in school still, um, and I was working for RIT Production Services, um, which does a lot of the like sports zone. That's a lot of the sports on campus. I was working with animators and 3D designers and a bunch of other people from different majors, and it just kind of really opened up my eyes to what I could do with my design work. I was doing the 2D design work, like an illustrator or something, and uh, then someone else was taking it and animating it, and I said, that's cool. I want to know how to do that, and all of a sudden, it was all of the work that I was doing, I wasn't really satisfied with it unless it was moving at the end of the day, so yeah, I started kind of teaching myself After Effects, and I took one class in school, but it was kind of just like a basic starter class, and then you know, just watched a million tutorials and just did it a thousand times. And then all of a sudden I kind of figured it out and became an animator. All right. So let's talk about this journey. When, when you left school and you started looking for work, you identified ESPN as a place you wanted to work. Did you look at other places or was that really your singular focus? Um, I looked at a lot of other places. I looked at design firms. I looked at other sports conglomerates. I looked at CBS and NBC and basically anybody that had a job opening, I was looking. <laughs> I probably applied to, I want to say, at least 50 different places, including the Flyers even had a position open that I got to interview for. And uh, yeah, so they definitely weren't my only uh, target, but it was one of those things that was kind of a reach, and I just figured I might as well apply. We'll see what happens. So the, the Philadelphia Flyers, talk a little bit about that. That, sound, that sounds pretty cool. Did you ever get serious enough that they made you an offer? Um, yeah, I did. And, you know, it was 
one of my dream jobs before I even heard from ESPN, because uh, I was working for the hockey team at RIT. So being from Philly, it was natural that I wanted to work for the Flyers. And uh, I did end up going to interview with them and, you know, got some calls back and everything. And they said it was an internship position, which I was happy with. You know, we've always talked about getting your foot in the door, whatever way you can, you can take an internship if it's a good enough pay. But the issue with them was they were going to give me, I think it was something like $8 an hour. And it was just I, one of the things that we really, that you really drilled into us and me specifically was just knowing your worth. And it was one of those times that you get a gut feeling of this isn't right. And I need to I, I should I am worth more than this and I, I know it's just an internship but I'm like very qualified for this job and I think I would do great at this job so that was a time that I was negotiating for salary and I said you know I don't even remember what number I gave I, them I remember but I, when you told me I was astonished that a professional yeah. sports franchise would pay you eight dollars an hour well, yeah, it's one of those things that you always hear of like, oh, well, it'll be so good on your resume. Don't you want to do this? You know, and it's, no, oh, it's well, we'll, we'll, we'll publish your work for exposure. Like that's kind of the art thing that happens sometimes. And, you know, I, I asked for something in return. I don't even remember what number I asked for, but I just asked for more. And I was like, it's not even enough for me to get there in gas, you know? So like I, and I think it would that, be, that sets the tone for how they treat their employees. I think you get a sense for that and talk about trusting your gut. Yeah. Yeah. It was just in my head when I was applying for this job, it was the perfect job for me. And then hearing that, hearing that that was what they were going to give me, it was just such a punch in the gut because I knew I would kill this job and I knew that I was definitely qualified for it. And when I emailed them and asked for more, they emailed me back one line saying, this is the offer. Let us know if you want it. And it was just so disheartening because, like I said, I was like, this was the job. This was the one that I figured I this would be great. I would just be moving from college to professional sports. And really knowing my worth was really important. And that's something that you're going to get in your gut. And you're just going to know, like, I can't take that. I'm worth more than that. That's, that's great advice because that was, that was shaping up like a dream job at the time. You were so yeah. excited. Well, and it was it was exactly what I was doing in college. It was just for professional hockey. So I know, you're probably what, making more in college than you would be making for them, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think I was making 18 at that's, the time. That's crazy. So I was going to take a huge pay cut to work for a professional team. It just didn't make any sense. And I was like, you know, I'm qualified for this job, but like, and you know, I got one line back that said, "This is the offer. Let us know if you still want it." And I was like, "That's a great story to tell young job seekers. It may look like a dream job, but boy, yeah, you just get you got to know you got to know in your gut if that if that's something that you can really accept, and you got to think about you know where you're going to be living and if it's going to be if you're going to be able to afford to live with on with that pay, you know." So you you started at ESPN probably what six months after you graduated five or six months after yes I started um, I think it was January eighteenth so yeah it was a good six months or so after graduation so you spent a lot of time in this process of looking for a job yeah um, I was lucky enough to continue working at RIT Production Services while I was looking for jobs and I think that was so important. Just for me as a person, I need to keep working. Otherwise, it's easy to push things off, especially applying to other jobs when you're not hearing back. And it gets really discouraging really fast. Um, so I just kind of, 
you know, pushed as hard as I could and made sure that I was working every day. So that way I was still in the mode of designing and animating and trying to learn as much as I could. So that way I could say, oh, okay, I feel comfortable applying to this job now and I have more skills for this job now. And um, yeah. So I think that's an important um, point to hit on. So while you were in the job search process, you kept developing your skills and building your book, right? Absolutely. And yeah, that was, that was definitely crucial, you know, and it, it was, it was the reason I, I got to really focus on job searching while also still working. Um, cause like I said, it, it's just, it's pretty daunting to only be job searching and it gets really depressing really quickly if you're not hearing back from people and that's the only thing you're doing all day and all of a sudden you're sleeping in and applying to maybe one job a day and you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> that can be a real trap, can it? If you're, if you're just sending things out, you're getting ghosted. No one's contacting you. Yeah. That can well, be, that can be tough. You know, uh, you're all, yeah, and you're, even if you get an interview and then you don't hear back for three weeks, a month, and then you're kind of thinking, oh, maybe I did get this job, and suddenly you stop applying to things, and, you know, it's just a mess. So did the fact that you applied to so many places give you any comfort, or was it more of a stressor? Well, you know, it. what I always tell people and what I always try and what I was trying to do is just, like, apply to everything and you never know who's going to call you and make sure that everything is always up to date. And, you know, because ESPN, like I said, was a total reach. I'd never thought that I was going to get uh, a job there. I never thought that they would pick me up. So I, I think it was more like it was daunting to do it. And of course, it was heartbreaking to not hear back from so many places. But obviously, it's worth it. If if one place calls you back out of the 50 you apply to, then it's worth it. So That's pretty good hit. Yeah, right. One out of 50. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> so talk a little bit about that job because we were all very excited when you landed that job. That was a big day. Yeah. That was pretty well, cool. Well, it's ESPN. Of course it's a I big know. day. So was it as I fun as you thought it was going to be? It was not what I thought it was going to be. And I kind of was ready for it when I got there because the job that I got wasn't even a design job, technically. Um, I don't even know if you remember this, but I was doing the graphics for productions but I wasn't designing them. I was just the person that was basically putting them on the screen. So designers in another building would design something and then they would send it down to me. And then during live TV, I would be the one that was like switching out those graphics during the show. Um, so I wasn't even designing. I was just in control rooms, listening to directors and getting design files sent to me. Um, and that was the first year or so of my job at ESPN. And, uh, I knew, so I knew going into it that I was going to, I wasn't going to be designing as much as I wanted to be, but I kind of hoped that it would be my foot in the door and I would find a design job after I met some people and got some skills under my belt. And yeah, that's basically what happened after, like I said, about a year, um, I was looking for other jobs and I ended up getting a job in the promo department. And uh, that job was supposed to be kind of a little bit design, a little bit organization, that kind of thing. And yeah, so that was definitely a step in the right direction. But it ended up being a lot of weird hours and not a normal schedule, which you have to expect with anywhere like that. I mean, they're a 24-7 network for a reason. People are there 24-7. I, I did it for the amount of time that I did it. I was there for a little over two years, but I was definitely ready to have my life back. So what frustrated you, the lack of um, creativity, the lack of design, or just the pace? I mean, I think all of it really did. I kept telling myself, okay, you're going to do this job for a year, and then you can 
either be in line for this promotion or you can try start applying for this different job. And then after that job, you can get this job and then maybe you'll have a normal schedule again and blah, blah, blah. And it just kind of felt like how many jobs is it going to take until I actually get the one that I want? <laughs> and so that's kind of how I decided that I probably should start looking elsewhere. But, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing a lot of design work and the design work that I was doing was so specific and I was only wearing one hat, um, you know, which is obviously different from what I do now. And that was hard for me because I was used to working with a smaller company at RIT and working at such a big company, it just wasn't, it just wasn't my style because I wanted to be able to do more and I wanted to be able to touch more things. And, you know, so that was frustrating and, you know, the, the schedule is never fun either. So. so let's go back, if you can remember, to when you were pursuing this job and talk about the process because our listeners are in the process of looking for work. Their goal is to, in most cases, get their first design jobs. So if you can remember back to what that felt like preparing for interviews, how, how nerve-wracking was it to walk into ESPN to interview? Were you ready? How did you prepare for that? Um, I mean, of course it was nerve-wracking. It's always nerve-wracking. I think I prepared with all of the sports stuff that I that I did in school, whether that was through my job or just the job um, projects that I was working on in class. I started focusing everything towards sports related so that I would be able to have something in that interview to show them and say, listen, I know you're not hiring me for a design job, but I can also do this. So if there's any way that I can do both and or I think it would be really valuable for me to be in this position rather than someone who's never done design work um, because I can spot things that maybe someone else wouldn't see, you know, I can offer, I can offer a value there. It might've made it easier that it wasn't a design job because it was a little bit easier to be like, yeah, I can totally do this, but also I have these other skills, you know? So that was, that was big for me too. And maybe that made it a little bit easier. And the other part of it was I interviewed over the phone, I think, and then they flew me out there. So I was telling myself, they're going to spend all this money on flying me out here, getting me a car to and from the airport. You know, they must want to hire me. How many times did you get interviewed? I think I talked to them probably three different times. The first one is always just an HR call, just saying, hey, we're HR, we're just calling you. And they basically just want to make sure that they have the right number and you're still interested in the position after they talk to you a little bit about it. And then I might have even had a phone interview or a Skype interview with uh, my potential bosses. I can't remember. And then, uh, and then they flew me out. And I want to say about two weeks later, they called me to offer me the position. So was there room for salary negotiations or did they give you a number? They gave me a number on the phone, I believe. And from your teachings, I knew not to just take it immediately. <laughs> I remember <laughs> so the conversations we had. Oh, yeah. And it's, just, you know, you can't, even if it's more than you're expecting, you can't like show them that it's more than you're expecting. You know, I think I think he gave me a, a rough number and was like, you know, we're going to email you all the final details and everything like that. But does that sound OK? And I said, yeah, I'm looking forward to the email and, you know, I'll, I'll be in touch if I have any concerns or questions. And, you know, so that way I was able to digest it all over the course of at least a day to just look through it in an email. And then I sent it to you and you were able to look through it and confirm that everything looked good on your end. And I don't even think I negotiated at all because like I said, it was more than I thought it was going to be, but I probably should have and could have. And I don't know how open they would have been to it, but you know, it's, it's never, it's never a problem to ask. Never a problem to ask because you, you, you don't know. And, and if, you, if you don't ask, you'll never get it. 
Absolutely. So, so let's talk a little bit now, fast forward to, to a year ago when you decided you'd had enough there and we spoke and then you went through this process again. What had you learned from the first time you did this that applied to getting your second job? What did you do better? What did I do better? Or worse? <laughs> I mean, I think it was better. I think experience always helps. The biggest thing that I did was really try to uh, do some projects that I knew would be helpful for the people I was applying for. So for this job, I knew I was going to be one of the animators. So I made sure to have like a really killer animation that I could show them. You know, I think that's that's kind of the direction that I wanted to go anyway. So that was, yeah, I figured the places that I was applying, that's what I would want to be doing. So on my downtime that I wasn't at work, I was working on like a side project that I could show to a potential interviewer. And yeah, I think that was helpful. It's, it's something that I didn't do the first time around just because I think the other part of it is that I had so much to show because I was in school and I was also working. So I didn't feel like I needed to do any other extra projects, but you know, it might've been helpful to do that at the time. I think I'm, I'm so interested in the way you are creating this position at your new company. It's a relatively young company and they're growing and shaping and forming itself since you've been there. And the fact that you can look around and say, I could do this better, I would like to do that. And you're really, your career's turning into something I think that maybe was unexpected a year ago. Yeah, for sure. I never thought that I would be doing what I'm doing right now a year ago. I also, you know, I went straight to corporate work, like right away out of school. And now right. I'm at kind of an agency. And it's not even really an agency. We're just video production. So it's it was scary when I first got here of like, you know, I've never worked at an agency before. How does this work? And um, is it different than my corporate life that I've known so far? And it, it definitely is. And for me, it was it's definitely a breath of fresh air. But yeah, so on top of all of the animation stuff that I do, I'm getting to work on the video production side of things as well, doing some production coordinating, you know, just doing some organization on those video shoots. Um, we just finished up with one recently. And yeah, it's one of the things that I love about working on this small team and working with the team that I'm with is that they're very open to you know, if you want to work on something, let's try and make it happen. I get to wear a bunch of different hats. So I do different stuff every day. Last week I was on video production. This week I'm doing animation. So it's been it's been really great to be able to do that here. I love the idea that your dream job with a worldwide leader felt stifling. And now you're with a smaller company and the sky's the limit. Absolutely. Yeah, it's weird. You know, for me, in the position I was in, it definitely felt like, there were a lot of barriers to get to where you wanted to go and seniority played a huge role and who you know plays or plays a huge role which you know who you know plays a huge role anywhere but especially at something like ESPN and it you know it just kind of felt like there were so many steps you had to take to get to where you wanted to go whereas here it's more of just hey I have some free time can I help you out with that I'd love to train with and learn how to do that and it's way more open for me in this position and I think that's part of the reason is because we're so small 
you know, you need people to do that. So that way you can get the work done. And if, if someone has a free hand, they should be helping. And at ESPN, there's so many people. So it's like, no, your job is this job and this is the job you're going to do. And that job is done by that person. So don't step on their toes, you know, that kind of thing. Thanks. That's kind of corporate design though. That's the difference between young entrepreneurial (laughs) startup and corporate design. All right. So what I find especially interesting among many other things about your career is that now you are managing interns and you're hiring young talent. So the people listening to this podcast are about to go out and interview for jobs. When someone walks in the door, tell me, tell me how that goes for you. What do you, what's the first thing you see? How do you know? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Tell me, tell me how that process goes for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of it is everything that you told me that you would look for in an interviewer, interviewee. And I try and you know, look for that stuff when people come through the door. So, you know, a good handshake can't go wrong with a good handshake. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, just being confident, but not cocky and being really excited about your work, I think is huge for me because even if your work isn't that great, if you can talk about it and you're clearly really excited about it and you've really thought it through, that's something that I'm looking for. You know, you can always improve on the job and you will improve on the job. So, being able to speak about your work and, you know, for me, public speaking has always been something that I've struggled with. I've definitely gotten better with it. Anytime that I felt comfortable, it was because I really loved what I was showing. And I was like, I really love this project. I'm really excited to show it to you guys. Do you have any feedback? That kind of thing. That's the kind of thing that excites me as someone that's hiring someone, because I know that you're going to go the extra mile and really put everything into what you're doing. I just don't think you can teach that fire in the belly, that enthusiasm. And I think that comes across I was talking to somebody last night who said they had interviewed a young design school grad who had no juice, no energy. And he said to me, I, I can't teach that. I, 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 and I, if I see it, it scares me. And I'll, yeah. I'll look right past that person. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we definitely had a couple people that came in and were just like, yeah, here's my work, you know. And it's just, <laughs> I don't want to look at your work if you're not excited about it. Why am I excited about it? So you know, I don't, I don't really care how good it is. You know, I just, I want to hear you talk about it. And the the biggest thing that we don't get in school, I think that is kind of a wake up call once you get into the real world is you have to talk about your work all the time and you have to talk to clients and you have to talk to your boss and you have to talk to other people that you may have not never met before. And you have to be ready to be excited about it because you have to sell it to whoever's buying, you know? Yeah. You have to have a reason for doing what you did. Well, it's been great having you on the podcast, Sarah. Any last words for our young listeners as it relates to going out and that nerve-wracking process of looking for a job? The biggest thing that always calmed me down if I was really nervous is they're interviewing me for a reason and I should think that they want to hire me for a reason. So I'm going to be a little bit more confident than thinking I'm, I'm not cut out for this job and I don't know why they would hire me over someone else. I'm not as good of a designer that kind of thing. They're interviewing you for a reason. So just go in there and be a little bit more confident than you think that you probably are. Yeah, just be excited about your work. That's that's a big thing. Well, I can't thank you enough for joining us on the podcast. You have a wealth of information. Your journey is one that I find particularly interesting because I've been in this with you for four years. When did you graduate? 15. Yeah, 15. It's been so. four years already and you're already on your second job and you're really just, the sky's the limit for you. 
Yeah, no, it's been really exciting and I'm happy to be back in Rochester. And, you know, one of the things that is so great about having you is that you know everyone. So if you <laughs> if you need someone, that I always call you. And if people are like, oh, I want to work in this city. I'm like, I bet Chris knows someone there. And <laughs> and you normally do. <laughs> so that's one, you, of, one of the you other stick around. You stick around long yeah. enough and you, you meet yeah. a few people. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so, so very much for taking the time to do this, Sarah. Of course. You're the best. Thanks for having me. If you need some help figuring out how to get your creative career moving, whether it's your first job or your next job, email me at chris at creativecareerstarter.com and we can set up a free 30-minute call to discuss what to do and how to do it. Thanks so much for joining me today. We'll see you next time on the Creative Career Starter Podcast.